so many different things that we could talk about on Easter, um, especially when you're thinking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I really just want to focus on a very intimate and personal part of Scripture where it just shows where Jesus walked through, uh, not just um, robotically (laughs) through the death through his death and through the crucifixion, but actually it was very um, challenging. And I think we should just kind of read this through scripture and allow the Lord just to minister. Why did he go through such a painful death? Uh, What was his motivation? In fact, before I read our main passage, I want to read out of Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight. This is what the Bible says. It says, let this mind be also in you, which was also in Jesus Christ who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So it's saying that Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. I want you to catch verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. If you have a physical Bible or something you can highlight, I would love for you just to underline, became obedient. Became obedient. Just underline that because I think this is so important because I think a lot of times we just put Jesus in this kind of robotic category like he just was easy for him, like he just did it. And thank you, Jesus, for coming. You died on the cross. And we kind of just kind of fly through it. And I just want you to notice here in Philippians, it says that he became obedient even to the death on the cross. And to really put this in perspective, I want us to look at a really, um, I think, intimate picture of Jesus when just the night before he was crucified in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Chapter 26, and I'm going to read several verses here, starting verse 36. This is, we're finding Jesus. He's already had uh, the Last Supper with his disciples, very intimate time with his disciples. And then they go to a garden, and this garden is called Gethsemane. And if you've ever been to Israel a few years ago, my wife and I went to the Garden of Gethsemane, that area, the Mount of Olives. And so it's approximately where Jesus would have been. And when you're there, there are still ancient olive trees there, several hundred years old, probably not the exact same ones that were there when Jesus was, but they're hundreds of years old. And so you get this real uh, amazing feeling just being there, knowing that this is where Jesus made the decision to go through with it. See, again, he became obedient. It just wasn't routine. It wasn't just automatic. It wasn't just easy. He still, as a man in the flesh, Jesus still had the option. I want you all to catch this. Jesus had the option. He didn't have to go through with this. He became obedient. In other words, obedience means he submitted himself to the will of God, to the will of Father God. So let's look at it in Matthew uh, 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. This is a place, by the way, where they would press olives. Really interesting to me. That's where they would press the oil out of olives. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed, even to death. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, 
Oh, my father. So he's talking to God. He says, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, I want you just to, again, if you have a highlighter or something to underline, you might just underline that. Not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. One of the most powerful prayers that you'll ever pray in your whole life is that prayer right there. No human being, including every single one of you sweet people here today, <laughs> no human being woke up one day and says, I just want to obey God no matter what. Without any difficulty, no challenge, no resistance. No, we all have what the Bible calls flesh. Have you ever woken up and knew, I need to clean the house today, but you didn't want to? Come on, somebody tell the truth. Have you ever woken up and you're like, I know I have a lot to do today, and I don't want to do any of it. Right? We all have that part of us. All the more with spiritual things. And so Jesus, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but here he is. And I mean, of all things, he's knowing I'm having to submit my body to death, death on the cross. I'm having to submit my body to the death on the cross. And he's saying, let this cup pass me from me, Lord, if it can, but not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Again, he says this, the spirit is indeed well, willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Now, I just want you to notice Jesus is wrestling. It's two times already, he said, if this cup can pass, let it pass, but not as I will, but as you will. And then he d d says this, and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time. Everybody say third time. I just think it's interesting that the Bible gives us, like, the details to say he prayed three times. In fact, if you want to just... Title this message today, you could just title it Prayers in the Garden. Prayers in the Garden, Prayers in the Garden, Prayers in the Garden. And the reason why I think there's something that's significant for you and I is I think we will all come to a place in our life where you have to pray this prayer. Maybe it's not a physical garden that you go to that you pray in, but there's a place where it's just you and the Lord. See, nobody was with Jesus at this point. They were all asleep. Have you ever felt like you were alone in life? Or am I the only one? Like, have you ever felt like, okay, everybody who was with me ain't with me anymore, and it's just me and God? Like, have you ever gone through a tough time, and there was nobody to call, nobody to reach out to, nobody to ask to come and support you? Like, they were, you just knew they're all busy. Like, in our, in our world, people get busy. So you ask them to come help you, and they're like, oh, I got such and such going on. I got this going on. I got that going on. And so Jesus has his friends with him. And they're asleep. And it's just him and, and God. And I really think that every one of us have to come to a place in our life where it's just us and the Lord. And you pray this similar prayer. So he comes and he says, are you still sleeping? I'm in verse 45. And resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, I wanted to read this whole passage right here because this is Jesus becoming obedient. 
See, if you and I expect that we're just going to one day want to obey everything that God's called us to do, we're mistaken. Jesus, the Son of God, had to become obedient. You have to become obedient. There's so many parts in scriptures where it talks about bowing, bowing to God. And, you know, getting on your knees in a form of reverence is really just a picture of the heart that says, I yield to someone else. And so when you're worshiping God and you, you bow, you're yielding to God. And so I can just imagine that Jesus is in the garden and he's yielded to the Lord. He's yielded to Father God and he's on his knees. And one, one of the gospels says that he was sweating drops and it had blood inside of it. And there's even a, a medical term for that where you, when you become so stressed to the point that you can burst your capillaries in your, in your sweat glands and it actually can mix with blood. And that's where Jesus was. That's why he says, I am exceedingly sorrowful. I am distressed even to death. I mean, he's, this is a wrestling unlike any other. I don't know about you. I've never sweated blood, thank God. But this is where Jesus is becoming obedient. He's becoming obedient. He's becoming obedient. I want to read out of Romans chapter 5, verse 19, because his obedience is more than just his submission to God. There's a lot more on the line to to this. In fact, I want you to hear what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. For as by one man's disobedience, talk about Adam, Adam and Eve, through one man's disobedience were, were many made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So it was through the obedience of Jesus Christ through the death on the cross that you and I could be what the Bible calls righteous, which just means that you and I are made right with God. See, up until this point, you and I, there was no chance for us to be right with God. No chance. Let me ask you, how many of you, like, made a mistake? I won't, we won't call it sin because maybe that will make you feel bad. But let's just say you made a mistake this week alone. Raise your hand. Okay, cool. Most of us are telling the truth. Some are. <laughs> but. Probably all of us sinned, whether knowingly or unknowingly, this week. And according to the way that things used to be before Jesus, you sin this week like you're in trouble. Like you're going to have to go kill a cow, offer it to God. You're going to have to ask a high priest to forgive you. I mean, you're going to have to go through a whole routine, and maybe you'll, if you don't sin again, that could be forgiven. And you have to do this time after time after time after time. And by the way, there are all these rules that you would have to keep. That was what it was like. And oh, by the way, if you're not Jewish, you, got, you ain't got a chance. So I, I don't know about you. I'm not Jewish. I don't have Jewish blood in me. But before Jesus, Jews, this was the only one that God would have relationship with. And then when Jesus came... It says that through his obedience, many were made righteous, including you and me. Many were made righteous. So when Jesus is in the garden and he's praying and he's distressed and he's having to grapple with the pain that was about to come upon him, he was, he was submitting himself to Father God because he knew what was on the line for you and me. See, no one wants to go through pain if there's not reward on the end of it. So I want to ask you how many of you at the beginning of the year made a New Year's resolution to get in shape. 
But a lot of people do, right? So we get to the new year, and it's like, oh, I'm going to lose weight, and I'm going to get in shape, and I'm going to go to the gym. And we will be willing for a time to go through that pain for an eventual reward. But probably if we didn't really think we would lose weight or we would get in shape or we would feel better, nobody would be going to the gym. Hello? Nobody would. The gyms would be emptied. Why? Because the only reason why people are willing to go through that pain and the soreness of going to the gym is for the reward. So Jesus was going through this and wrestling with, am I willing to go through this? Is there a reward for me in this? And I want you just to look at this in Hebrews chapter 12. I love, love, love this verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, listen, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says that for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set, what was that joy? See, through one man's obedience, many, many were made righteous. What was the joy that was set before Jesus that gave him the strength to endure? I mean, let's just, I won't go into graphic detail, but let's think about this for a moment. What enduring the cross must have looked like, despising the shame. So before Jesus ever got to the cross, he was in a place called the Praetorium, which was like a, a courtyard type of a place where in front of a crowd of people, they would have stripped him of his clothes and they would begin to whip him and lash him incessantly until he got just close enough to die, but not quite. So there at that point, he's not even on the cross yet. He hasn't even picked up the wood. He's still just in the, the pre part. Torture. So they're torturing him. And in fact, Isaiah says that it's in that place, in the stripes that he's receiving, your healing was being paid for with every stripe. Not just salvation, healing. Healing, healing for your body, healing for every sickness, every kind of disease. Your healing was paid for in those stripes. And then at that same time, they would mock him and they gave him a crown. But it wasn't a crown of gold. It wasn't a crown of olive leaves. It wasn't a crown of eucalyptus leaves or anything of nobility. It was a crown of thorns. And it wasn't just thorns like a rose bush that you and I would have in our house that would be blooming close to now in spring. No, it would be thorns that would be about this long. And they would press it into his head until it would pierce into his skull and that would drip. Again, we're not even at the cross yet. So when it says that he's enduring this, he endured. I mean, we're talking hours long of pain. And it says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured all that. He endured every stripe. He endured every lash. He endured the thorns in his head for the joy, for the joy. And I just felt like so strongly as we were coming today, like the Lord Jesus himself wants to remind you that you're the joy. You're the joy. You. You are. Remember in John chapter 3? This is probably one of the most popular verses in Scripture, but I'm going to read verses 16 and 17, okay? It says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting in life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the, but that the world through him might be saved. See, Father God sent Jesus to endure this for you. For you. For you, last week when we took communion together, remember one of the most intimate things Jesus said to his disciples, this is the blood of the new covenant, which has been poured out for you. For you. See, we live in a real pluralistic society. We live in groups. We talk in groups. We think in groups. We think in masses. But see, when Jesus looks at you, he remembers, I endured the cross for you. For you, not for Hagerstown Foursquare Church, not just in the big scheme of things. He endured the cross for you, for your crazy self. <laughs> in fact, the Bible says that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That Jesus died for the worst version of you, like that version of you that nobody else knows about, that version of you that only you in the car when you're ticked off by the person who cut you off, that version of you, right? Or that version of you that might have cheated on something or lied about something or, you know, things that when you were younger, I don't know what your life story has been, but it says that while you were still that person, Jesus died for you. He died for you. Why? That you might be made right with God. That you might be made right with God. See, there's a lot of things in the world right now pushing you to not be right with God. And he's pushing you to do things on your own and not yield to God. And there's so many things that are pressing on us to give in to our own flesh, our own sensual nature, our own desires. And yet we have this Example of Jesus who didn't consider itself robbery to be made equal with God, but emptied himself and took on the appearance of man and became obedient and obedient even to death on the cross. He became obedient. That's our model. That's our model. I just feel like today, Eastern Sunday, like God's calling us to that place. God's calling us to that place, that place of yielding, that place in the garden of Gethsemane where it says, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Probably if I went around and talked to every single person, we've all had to wrestle through this before. And isn't it exhausting when you try to do things your own way? There was a movie that I remember watching years ago, and one of the characters said to the other characters, ain't you tired? Ain't you tired? Ain't you tired? And that's the way sometimes I feel like the Lord's asking us, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired with wrestling for your own will? What wrestling for your own way, isn't it better to just yield it? Yield it. Yield it. When I was praying for this service as we came to today and I became so overwhelmed because I just asked the Lord, Lord, and by the way, you can talk to God. I don't know if you knew that. You can talk to him. Jesus talked to him in the Garden of Gethsemane. We can talk to him today. I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to tell the people? Because I didn't know who's coming, who will be here. What do you want to tell the people, including everybody who's online? And this is all I heard the Lord say. Tell them 
it was for them. Oh, I just started to weep. I mean, it was just that simple. It wasn't a paragraph. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big thing. It was just the Lord was just telling me it was for you. It was for you. When you celebrate Easter today, it was for you. It was for you. I'm, my prayer for you right now as we're in this room and you're sitting in that seat is that God by his spirit would cut through your heart and that you would receive that all of this was for you. Every lash, every thorn, every nail, the gasping for air, and then the power of the resurrection that raised Jesus from the dead so that he would live today, it was for you. Tell them it was for them. That's all God said. When I prayed, that's what he told me. Tell them it was for them. Tell them it was for them. This is uh, Jesus, his call to us in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. In verse 23, Jesus said this about us. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Now, I just want to read this because so many times I've read this as just God's, uh, Jesus' call to us, which is true. But I want you to read this in context to what Jesus did. Like he didn't just ask this of you and me. He did it. Let me read it again and think about Jesus when I read it. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? Think about Jesus. I mean, this is God incarnate. This is God come in the flesh. What profit is it to a man if he gains all of the world and is himself destroyed or lost? See, Jesus willingly gave up his life for you and me. And then Father God raised him up from the dead. This is the process you and I go through. See, when you come to God and you yield your life to his, he gives you a new life. But when you try to hang on to your life and you're like, I don't, I, I want to be in charge. I want to do what I want to do. Then you lose your life. See, if you want to really be a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have to give him your life. He set the model. You say, well, I don't want to, I, I want to be in charge. Well, then you're going to lose your life. But then if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it first. So it's, it's a little bit of a paradox. It's almost like a riddle, <laughs> but it's not. I think you all understand that he's saying, if you really want to gain the life that God created for you, and you, in fact, if you want eternal life, you have to give your life to Jesus. You have to give it to him. You have to take up your cross daily. Daily. I think it's so interesting that Jesus said daily. Because you know what? Easter Sunday is easy. But how about tomorrow morning? 
<laughs> How about tomorrow morning when you get to work? Or when your spouse starts barking at you in the morning? Or when the kids start to lose their mind? Right? How about that day you take up your cross daily? And Jesus saying, no, no, no. If you want it, follow me. Take up your cross daily. Take it up. Take it up. Pick it up and follow me. Now, this is not super popular anymore because we like to just preach, oh, if you, you love the Lord, your life's just going to be peachy keen. But if you haven't noticed, 2020 was not peachy keen for anybody. Y'all know what I mean by peachy keen. Like, it's not perfect. It's not, you know, ra rainbows and roses. It was hard. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, lose your life. If you want to follow me, get in the garden and pray a simple prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. In fact, Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, you might remember this. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did he say? He said, okay, pray this. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, Jesus said, pray like that. Pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You might even make it more personal. Lord, in my life, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life right now as it is in heaven. In fact, you might just wake up tomorrow morning and pray that prayer. Say, Lord, your, your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done in my life. This will mess you up. No, this will mess you up. If you start to pray these prayers, they're going to rock your world. It, like Life's going to get real crazy, real fun, real fast. Why? Because God will take you at your word. He'll hear your prayer. He'll answer your prayer. Oh, okay, you want my kingdom to come in your life? Okay, good. So what does kingdom of God look like in our life? When we pray this prayer, then all of a sudden Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. And it goes through a whole list of things, of powerful, supernatural things that make you different than anybody else around you. It says these things start to follow you when you follow me. So it's kind of like this. We start to follow Jesus, and we're yielding ourselves to his will. Have you ever, let me ask you a question. Have you ever uh, gone uh, like on a caravan with somebody who drove ridiculously fast? Like you were in the second or third car, and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to follow you because every time I try to follow you, you lose me, right? And it's just hard to follow them. Some of you, it has nothing to do with how fast they drive. You just like to be the leader. <laughs> you just like to be the one who gets to decide when we're going to pull over, when we're going to use the bathroom, when we're going to get gas, when we're going to get food, all of those things. So some of us, we prefer that instead. But you know, when you're following Jesus, there is a, it's almost like that picture, like, Lord, when you pull off, I pull off. When you go faster, I go faster. When you slow down, I slow down. In other words, I take my cues from you. Daily, I take my cues from you. And so I, I want to kind of, for just the last couple minutes that we have, I want to take it out of this, like, real spiritual zone that's almost just a prayer, and I want to pull it into the practical. Like, when you're at work, and the Lord says, go talk to that cranky coworker that you never like to talk to. Ugh. No. And we might even think it. We would never say it. Maybe some of you would say it. 
I hate that person. Ugh, they have such a bad attitude. But yet, you're following Jesus. You're driving along. And he says, no, no, pull over, talk to that person. Go to that cubicle, talk to them. Ask them how they're doing. Oh, God. Every time I ask them how they're doing, it's just, it's terrible. You know, we have all these thoughts, and Jesus is like, "Mm mm-mm, take up your cross. Or maybe you have a spouse, and sometimes it's a little tense. Again, nobody here. This is probably for everybody online. But, you know, sometimes you have a little rub with your spouse, and Jesus is like, how about you do the dishes? That will bless them today. What? I didn't dirty those dishes. They dirtied those dishes. I haven't made a dirty dish in 10 days. You know, we go through the the routine. They should be washing the dishes. I've been working so hard. Jesus is like, "Mm mm-mm, take up your cross. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Or you're driving along and you see somebody who has a need and the Lord's like, pull over. Help them. Lord, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a little busy today. We got Easter lunch in about an hour. And there's something in the crock pot. And if I don't make it, it's going to pull over. See, Jesus, he did this and his life was on the line. Where he just came, he said, not my will, but yours be done. I just feel like the Lord's like, if I could give my physical body for you, you can follow me. You can follow me. You can follow me. So I just, I don't know about you, but I just feel it. I feel it right here. In in fact, I feel convicted, and I'm the one preaching it. Where I'm like, yeah, Lord. Time to yield my will to your will fresh. Like, let me give you an example. If you come back next Sunday and you haven't prayed prayed this prayer at least once, you probably aren't yielding your life to God. Because you know what? I'm confronted with this enough where I have to pray this often. I have to pray it often. Lord, not my will, but yours. Why? Because I know he's asking of me stuff that's not my will. It's his will. So I have to come, and I'm like, Lord, yes, yes to your will, yes to your way, yes to your will, yes to your way, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And so many times I'll get in prayer, and I'll just continually say yes, 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 over and over. And every time I say yes, it's like breaking my own will. Like, uh, how many of you have kids? Almost everybody. Okay, so... Our kids, one of the things that I usually will have them do if I'm talking to them and I ask them to do something, I'll, I'll make them say, yes, Dad. Because they'll just look at me and they're like, okay, no, 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 no. Say, yes, Dad. Part of what I'm doing isn't just for me. It's I want them to get in the habit of you say yes. Yes, 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 Lord, yes, Lord. So I want to pray, okay? If we could just... Close your eyes, bow your heads, and we're going to, it doesn't have to be anything real intense, but I do want you to lean into this for a second. Yes, Lord, to you. In fact, before I pray out loud, why don't you just pray something with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Just say, Lord, I yield my life to you. I yield my life to you. I want your will to be done. 
thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your example of obedience. I thank you for your example of obedience. Thank you for not holding back your life so that I could have mine. Thank you for not holding back your physical body so that I could have eternal life. For that, I give you thanks. And Lord, right now, we yield our will to your will. We yield ourselves to you. In fact, if you're comfortable, why don't you just put your hands in front of you just as a sign of surrender, just as a sign of saying, Lord, I'm giving, I'm giving, it's like giving a gift, I'm giving myself to you. Take it, Lord. Take it, Lord. Take my life. This is your life. I want you to live through me. I want you to take the take the leadership I make you Lord of my life today thank you Lord Jesus in fact I'm going to ask everybody to pray this simple prayer out loud in fact just say it after me say Father I pray that your will would be done in my life I yield my will to your will let's say it again I yield my will to your will your will be done your will be done your will be done in Jesus name in Jesus name amen would you stand to your feet